We're in Luke chapter 18, beginning at verse 1. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? So we're thinking about Jesus as he speaks to us about a reality in every Christian life, which is doubts. I know I struggle with doubts. I'm happy to admit that, and I think many of us would admit the same thing. And today I'd like to talk about doubts in, a, in the context of this parable. I want you to think about silence. Silence is really hard to deal with when you're looking for information, when you're trying to reach out to somebody and all you get is silence. Thinking about a trip my wife took, she was uh, driving a long distance, rainy day, rainy night as it turned dark and I'm trying to call her. I know she can answer, she has hands free, she, she's able to call or respond, but there's no response. You know, First five minutes, well, maybe she's on the phone with somebody else. Fifteen minutes, start to worry. Half hour, you want to call the police, check with hospitals, what's happened? When there's silence, in that gap, fears arise naturally, doubts arise, questions arise. And I, I wonder if you've heard that kind of silence when you've called out to God. I wonder if your prayers have been met with that kind of silence. So you pray, you pray, you pray, and you don't hear anything. Now we know from Scripture that God does answer prayer, and He answers them all in His time. But in that delay, in that delay, all we hear is silence, and in that silence we find our faith eroding away. So think about that in the context of this parable in Luke chapter 18, where Jesus asks this question, when the Son of Man comes, will he still find faith? Will it all have eroded away in his church and among his people like you and me, or will he still find faith? So this parable is about keeping on praying. So verse 1 says the meaning of the parable. He was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. I don't know if you struggle with that. I think many Christians do, and I do, not lose heart. So I'd like to look at this because losing heart is a reality, especially when prayer seems to be unanswered. And I'm just going to look at it with these three words, the delays, doubts that arise, and then finally the assurance that we find in this parable in the teaching of Jesus. First thing I think we could notice is that a delayed answer feels like unanswered prayer. A delayed answer feels like unanswered prayer until the prayer is answered, right? And so here it's talking about delays. 
Uh, The context, by the way, of this parable is interesting. It shows partly why unanswered prayer is so hard. The context in Luke 17 is of the second coming. Jesus is giving all the signs of his second coming. That is the end of history. And it's bookended. Luke chapter 18, verse 8, I tell you that he will bring about justice, God, for them quickly. And then this verse, however, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So, on the one hand, everything in this parable is about God answering prayers finally and fully, justice being done, peace coming to earth when he returns at the end of history. Might be tomorrow, might be next month, might be a thousand years from now. Till then, wait, pray, don't lose heart. That's what Jesus is saying. On the other hand, that waiting is done by each individual Christian, right? It's not some monolithic thing called church that waits. Yes, we wait as a church, but we also face individual crises for which we're lifting up our voices in prayer to God. This waiting is done one by one by one. Each one of us in faith crying out to God and then having that faith challenged when we find no answer. So let's look at the words of Jesus here. And I ask you whether they comfort you or whether they make you uneasy. There's, there's one wonderful comforting promise at the heart of this parable and we shouldn't forget it. Will not, verse 7, will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night, and will he delay long over them? This is a promise of answered prayer. God loves you, and God, it says, will hear your prayer. And it says we, therefore, verse 1, ought to pray and not lose heart. And that's the main point of this parable. Don't lose heart. God loves you. And he's good, and he will hear our prayers. But then there's a word we don't like to hear. Maybe makes us a little uneasy. It says, verse 7 puts it this way, Will he delay long over them? Delay, the word delay. Now if a delay is long or if a delay is short, we don't like it. We know how children are, right? Children don't like delays. They hate the word wait. And we're the same way. As children of the Heavenly Father, we don't like delays, whether they be long, whether they be short. When we want something, we want it now. When we're suffering, we want relief now. When someone we love is in trouble, we want immediate rescue. Of course, the word delay is uneasy. Well, the next verse maybe would set our hearts at ease. I tell you, he will bring about justice for them quickly. I like that word quickly, except for the context. Because remember, the context is the second coming of the Son of God. That's Luke 17, and that's the end of verse 8. So, it seems to be saying, yeah, quickly, but from God's clock, from God's perspective. Some of our prayers won't be answered till we see the Lord Jesus Christ face to face. Some of our prayers for our loved ones who are sick won't be answered till we see the resurrection when The dead in Christ are raised again, quickly. Some of them aren't answered till the Lord returns. And the question is, can I hang on till then? Can I hang on? And that's what Jesus is saying, don't lose heart. So that's the first thing is the whole issue of delay. The second thing is doubt because 
delay erodes faith, and in that silence, when we're waiting during that delay, doubts arise. So let me talk about doubt for a second. I think it's obvious, isn't it, that every prayer feels like an unanswered prayer when we're waiting for the answer. In that delay, every prayer is unanswered. Where's my answer, we ask? When will it come? Will it come at all? And there's always a delay. It might be short, might be a few seconds, right? Might be a few days, but it could be a long time. could be very long. could be till the Son of Man comes. Two weeks ago, you remember, we talked from Mark chapter 5 about Jairus, who came to Jesus asking that his daughter be healed. That's a prayer. He made a, a request, a prayer. And Jesus said yes, and he started moving towards Jairus' house. Remember what happened? As they were walking there, a servant runs from Jairus' house and says, don't, don't bother Jesus, he's already dead. And Jesus gives some very wonderful promises. He says, don't worry, never mind that, just believe, just have faith. I think those are great words, but just put yourself in Jairus' shoes, because there was this delay between his request, between Jesus' promise, and when he finally saw his girl raised again from the dead. In fact, on the way there, it took a while. They had to walk. How long did they walk? A mile, two miles. And Jesus wasn't running. If I was the dad, I would want to run there, right? Oh, I want to hold my daughter. I want to comfort my wife. I just want to be there. But Jesus is walking. And not only is he walking, but he's interrupting the journey. They're having conversations. A woman gets healed. And then Jesus explains why she was healed and he talks to his disciples. There's a delay. There's a long delay from the perspective of the Father. And finally, they get there. And all the while, Jairus is thinking, come on, come on, come on. If you're going to do this, let's do it. And our life is like that. When we pray, after our prayer, there's a long walk before we see the answer very typically. We don't know how long. We don't know how long until the answer finally comes. So that's the hard place where we Christians live. Because so, on the one hand, we have this promise from Scripture that every prayer is heard. Our God is a prayer-hearing God. That's His very nature. It's a robust promise. And we believe that God hears. So our heads are full of that promise. We're assured of that in sermons. We're assured of that in our readings of the Bible. But on the other hand, every prayer is also an unanswered prayer for a while. So we keep praying, we keep pressing, pestering God. But there's always a delay. There's always a waiting for God's perfect time to answer that prayer. And in that delay, doubts arise. In that delay, questions come up because there's silence. We don't like that silence. Is God hearing? Lord, even if you say no, that would be better than nothing. And in that silence, doubts grow. So what I'm saying is that that delay fuels doubt. It's our human nature that that happens. I mean, you know, you go to a doctor and the doctor doesn't call you back. You say, Why? where is the doctor's report? Where is the pathology report? When will I hear? Oh, there must be something wrong. And then you call them and call them and call them. And they say the same thing. Wait, wait, wait. Delays always produce questions and our fears sort of rush into that silence while we're waiting. 
uh, yeah, yeah, I know God is love. I read it in the scripture. But what I want to know is, does God love me? Does he love me now? I know God cares, but is he noticing my distress now? Does he know what I'm going through? I know all his promises that he hears prayer, but if he doesn't hear my prayer now, are any of his promises true? Can I trust him? And boy, tell you the truth, I feel like I'm just praying to the ceiling right now. Is there even anyone up there? These, these doubts just grow, they amplify with time. Will the Son of Man find faith when he returns? See, that's what Jesus is asking. So delay chips away at our faith. I think of it like a car with the paint chipped off, you know, and then the rust inevitably starts to grow and, and our doubts are like that rust. It starts to grow and corrode our faith. Some of you may remember the name Ted Turner. He's the one who created CNN. He says he was raised in a solid Christian home. But somewhere along the line, his sister got sick. And he says, despite all the fervent prayers of all the Christians, his sister died, and he says he lost his faith. That was it. Unanswered prayer. It can be devastating. It can be devastating. Jesus says, will I still find faith on the earth? Doubts arise. Is anyone listening? Does anyone care about what I'm facing right now? Is there a, a God out there? The rust starts to eat away at our faith and erodes it. Robert Buchanan was a 19th century poet. He talks about that silence of God and he talks about soldiers praying in the heat of battle to God. Here's how he puts it. It's sad words. How shrill and awful rose mid the splashing blood and blows our scream unto the Lord that let us die. And the Lord kept still in heaven. And the only answer given was the white snow falling, falling from the sky. Do you ever feel like that? Desperate situation. You're just screaming out to God for help and all you hear is silence. Like snow falling on the ground. You remember wonderful answers in the past, but in this crisis, there's only silence. So there's delay. It's the nature, because God's in charge. It's the nature of our Lord. And delay fuels doubt. And so the answer is, what assurance do we have? How can we wait and not lose heart? Which is what Jesus said is his command in verse 1 of chapter 18. How do we answer the rising doubt? You know, some think the answer is science. Honestly, they do. I don't know if you've read these articles, but they sort of come and go over and over about people doing experiments to see if prayer works. You know, kind of like it's a mechanical thing, a, a law of the universe. You know, they, they take a hospital and they divide the patients into two. We'll pray for this half and we will refuse to pray for that half. You know, nice double-blind experiment. Then we'll just see if, if this side gets better and this side doesn't get better. Yeah, it's very scientific. It seems to make so much sense, except for this one little fact that God is a person. He's a sovereign king. He does whatever he wills. You can't treat him like a force of nature on which you can do experiments. He's not like a virus for which you can create a vaccine, give it to 100,000 people and see if it helps some and if it 
helps those who have a placebo and then compare the two results. He has a will. He has a purpose. He has a plan. He can say yes. He can say no. He can laugh at our requests. He can say wait. He'll say, I'll do it when I'm ready. People don't act that way. Suppose your wife trying to test whether your husband loves you in that way. You come with a notebook and say, okay, I'm going to ask him a thousand times if he loves me and let's see what he does. You know what he's going to do? After a while, he's going to say, please, would you quit pestering me? And you'll write that down. Nope. You can't test love like that. You can't test the care of God like that. You can't even test if his will is for you like that. He's a person. He's a sovereign God. And he does whatever he pleases on heaven and on earth. I think it's a silly experiment myself. Here's a better way to find some comfort when your prayers are unanswered. Not the best, but here's a better way. It's to examine yourself. It's true. Scripture does tell us in many places that there's reasons why God does not answer prayer. So along with all the reasons, all the promises of answered prayer, and there's so many, there are some places where it's told there's reasons God will not answer prayer because of our own failings. Let me give you a few illustrations. In the Old Testament, Isaiah 59, the first two verses. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear dull that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Maybe that's it. And we look at ourselves when our prayers are not answered. Well, it's a deficiency in me. James says something similar. Chapter 4, verse 3, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. And we say, well, that must be it. Unanswered prayer because there's something wrong with the very prayer I'm praying. I'll just quit praying. 1 John chapter 5, 14 and 15 says this, And this is the confidence that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us and we know that we have the requests we have asked of him. Well, it must not be according to his will. And you know what? I always pray, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because I really want that. I believe with all my heart that his will is what's going to bless me and bless everyone. So maybe it's just not in accordance with his will. That's why my prayer is an answer. Now, I'm not dismissing those. I think it's good to examine ourselves. And that may be the reason for unanswered prayers. But sometimes our prayers are good. They're wise. They're perfectly in accord with what Scripture even commands us to pray. And still, we pray and we pray and we pray and nothing happens. Your kingdom come, your will be done, and our prayers are perfectly in line with that, and yet nothing happens. It's right, commanded by Scripture, and still there's silence from heaven. So here's a third answer, and I think that's the one that Jesus points to in this parable. And ultimately, this is the assurance that we have that we have to remind ourselves of when our prayers are unanswered. The assurance is this, to remember who God is. As we fear we might be losing heart, as we might be about to discontinue our prayers, Jesus says, remember who God is. It's, it's uh, told in this way. Of course, he talks about this judge who is a wicked judge, who ignores this widow who's coming to him even though she pesters him and bothers him. 
And then he says, even though I do not fear God nor respect man, verse 4 and 5, yet because this widow is bothering me, I'll go ahead and answer her because otherwise she'll wear me out. And then verse 7, the Lord says, if the unrighteous judge does that, will not God, the righteous, perfect judge, will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? A contrast. Think about who God is. Let me give you an illustration of this from someone who prayed perfect prayers, perfectly in accord with God's will, righteous prayers. It's the Lord Jesus himself. Do you think Jesus ever waited and heard only silence when he prayed to God in heaven? Let me give you a few examples. You know, in his humanity, he identified with us. So he knows what you feel when your prayers are unanswered. Here's some of his prayers. Just before his crucifixion, he was speaking to his disciples. It's recorded in Luke chapter 22, verse 32. And he said, Peter, I've prayed that your faith would not fail. I prayed that your faith would not fail. Uh, Towards the end of that chapter, verse 62, Jesus was staring right at Peter, listening as Peter betrayed him. His faith failed. Now it's true, Jesus knew that Peter would return. He would repent. But at that moment, just think about the moment of hearing Peter stumbling, falling, his faith failing, betraying Jesus openly. Think about that moment. Wasn't that an unanswered prayer at that moment? And then he prayed when he was in the garden. After the supper, they went up to Gethsemane. And you know what he prayed, if possible, Father, remove this cup from me. Cup means the experience of the anguish of torture, torment, and crucifixion that awaited him. If possible, Lord. Is there any way out of this? And it was an intense prayer. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7 says, He offered up prayers with petitions and loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. I know you can do this, Father in heaven. Is there any way I can get out of this? And the answer was no. The Father said there is no other way except to bear the pain of the sins that your people have committed. The sins of God's people so that we can offer them peace. There's no other way. And then finally on the cross, there was this one last desperate prayer. You remember that Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the only thing he heard was mockery from all the people around him. And from heaven, there was only silence. I know we can jump ahead. We can jump ahead to Easter. We can jump ahead to all the glorious answers to these prayers. But in, in those moments when those prayers were prayed and in the awful hours that followed, there was only silence. There was only delay. And yet he did not lose heart. Why? Why did he keep praying? Because his focus was on who God is, on God's character, God's love, God's wise plan unfolding. In the garden, you know this, before his arrest, he prayed, yes, Lord, if there's any other way, please show me an escape. And yet he said, not my will, but yours be done. This was not just a, uh, you know, a little lawyerly addition to his prayer. This was really the heart that he had. I I know your will is good. It's perfect. 
It's full of love and wisdom and goodness. I want to see your will done. I want to see it accomplished. And then he was led away from the garden. He was tortured, mocked, beat, spit on. Here's what Peter says, how he reacted to that. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. Listen to this. But he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. All through that terrible ordeal, his mind and his heart were focused on who God the Father is. He's a just judge. He's watching what's happening. He will do what's right. He will do what's good. I will wait. Friends, that's assurance. That's what Jesus points us to in this parable. Our comfort is to focus our heart and mind on the very character of God. Who is this God to whom I'm praying? Has he changed? No. Is he still who I knew two days ago, two months ago? Yes. Can I trust him? Yes. And so I'll wait. Will not, verse 7, will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? It's the very nature of God. If an unrighteous judge will finally relent under the pestering of this widow, how much more will a God who treats you like his children, who counts you as his beloved children, and who urges you to call him Father, how much more will that God listen to you without delay? We do all struggle with doubts. We all do cry to God and wonder if God will hear, but God is our Father. Have you noticed how parents just can't ignore the cries of their children? I mean, if there could be, you know, down the hall, to the left, in the third bedroom, but if the baby cries, mom wakes up. There could be two doors away from us, doors are closed, but a parent can recognize his own or her own child's cry, and they run to it. And here's our Father in heaven. He cannot ignore, it says, he cannot ignore the cries of his children who cry to him day and night. God will bring about a good, a just, a righteous conclusion. He will answer. But we struggle with doubts. I don't know if you do, but I think if you do, you're not alone. Because many of us Christians do. Honestly, there's been times in my life when I've gone someplace all alone to pray, and I can't pray because so many doubts flood in. I have to, I feel like I have to climb a ladder out of a dark hole of doubts before I can get my head above the darkness and even see that there's a God to whom I can pray. And the way I climb the ladder, and I'm honestly telling you what I sometimes have to go through, I have to say, is there even a God out there? And for me, nature speaks very loudly. All the complexity and the beauty and the majesty, the greatness, the splendor of nature says there has to be someone out there. Well, is Jesus that God, that creator incarnate, did, is he really God in person? And I, I have to look at why I believe that. I have to talk myself into that. I have to look at the resurrection, why I believe the resurrection really happened. Why, therefore, all the claims of Jesus really are true and I rehearse these things. And then I say, well, is the Bible true? Because I'm praying because the Bible tells me to. And I rehearse to myself how Jesus said that every word of the Old Testament is true and how he commissioned his disciples to write the New Testament. And I say, well, if Jesus is God, then 
I can trust his word. And then I say, yes, and the Bible tells me I can pray. The Bible tells me God will hear. The Bible tells me he is, a, he is a prayer hearing God. I have to crawl out of that doubt sometimes step by step, and I know God's grace is what's lifting me up all through that time. You may climb up a different way. You may have a different ladder. But God's grace will show you also how to battle those doubts with the assurance of who God is and how he's revealed himself to you and how he invites you to pray to him now. Here's how Peter puts it. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. And then this, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Cast all your anxieties on, in prayer on him because he cares for you. That much we know. He cares for you. He loves you. And he's listening to you. Amen. Dear Lord, even now we pray and we ask, Lord, God, we ask that you would answer this prayer. Be with each of us, Lord. Some of us have given up on prayer. We seldom, if ever, pray anymore. And you know the reasons, and we pray, Lord, that you would invite us back into your presence. Make us a prayerful people. Pray for those, Lord, who are, God, drowning in doubt of one kind or another. Every time they pray, they feel like they have no breath left because of these doubts. The air is gone. They have no ability to form the words. Oh God, we pray that you would assure them with who you are. Holy Spirit of God, open their hearts to your love and your power and your care for each one of your people. Make us a prayerful people, we pray. All this we pray through Jesus our Lord. Amen.